where we're praying uh, during that song we sang just now about God opening our eyes to see more deeply who Jesus is. And that's our theme this morning, that theme of discipleship. Um, Last week, I was with a number of our church council at an evening, a training evening for council members from uh, all other churches as well. Uh, It was a really good session on how we can make our meetings of PCC even more exciting and even more fruitful. Um, But what I noticed was also that that they'd given out just as kind of flyers a number of resources about how to grow disciples in our churches. And it's a very hot topic around the country, this one. There are uh, not only here, but in the Anglican churches in London, where we were before, there was a lot of interest, almost anxiety, about how once someone's joined a church and begun to follow Jesus, how do we make disciples. Um, and I'm, I'm quite sure whilst courses have their place, they are really not the silver bullet to this question. How do we grow closer in following Jesus once we've started? And the, the main resource actually in this area, it's not courses, is it? It's actually the Bible and the Holy Spirit. That's how we grow more like Jesus. That's how we follow him more closely. Um, And we see that especially in John's Gospel. The Gospels are all about disciples. Jesus, you remember, called, didn't he, 12 disciples, but he had a wider group, too, of followers. And if you remember the key purpose statement in John's Gospel, we saw this a couple of weeks ago, from almost the end, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, if you're taking notes, he says... John the writer says, Jesus did many other signs which are not recorded here, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that full life, following Jesus' life, is what we mean by discipleship. Believing, you may have life in his name. So if you want to grow deeper in following Jesus yourself this morning, or you long to see us being a church that helps people to do that, then we are in exactly the right place with John's Gospel. That's why he wrote it. Today's reading is the first two days of Jesus' ministry. Day one, day two. It's how John describes it. Next week, day three will come. And the theme of looking and seeing and being seen is a big theme in this passage. The words come no less than ten times in just that short reading. That's because John is using a a double image here, not just physically seeing, but seeing with our heart, what we call faith, or understanding who Jesus is. And both day one, in verses 35 to 42, and day two in verses 43 to 51, have that invitation in them, once in each half, to come and see. We'll come back to this. Come and see. And that, again, is a deliberate invitation, not just to come and physically see who Jesus is or what he looks like, but to come and follow him and then to see or understand more of who he is. And if that's you this morning... Come and see with me this morning. So we look at it in those two days, day one, day two, and uh, the, the headings will be day one, 
we follow Jesus or are disciples when we follow and find. And then the second one, we, we, we follow Jesus when we tell and when we seek. So, number one, verses 35 to 42, follow and find. John the Baptist's words from last week, he repeats them here in our very first verse, 35. Look, the Lamb of God. As he said last week, this is the one, Jesus is the one I meant when I said that one is coming after me who was before me. This is the one, the Lamb of God, who's come to take away our sin and bring us back to God. And John the Baptist then kind of signs off his role in this gospel. We don't really see him again um, because he is pointing his own followers, his own disciples, to Jesus, effectively saying, he's the one you now need to follow. My job is done. He's here. I don't know if he actually expected them literally to walk off right then and follow Jesus and leave him behind, but that's what they did, isn't it? If you saw that, it says that two of them followed Jesus straight away. And they're kind of, I imagine, sort of hanging off a bit nervously behind Jesus, who they've been told is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. But Jesus turns round. He senses them there, supernaturally perhaps, and he says, what are you looking for? What do you want? What do you want? He's asking, isn't he? Not just, um, you know, do you want the time? Like a passerby on the street. He's actually going to ask a deep question. What are you looking for in life? What are you searching for? Um, and they do the right thing. They, they sort of slightly hedge their bets. Um, they don't jump in with a kind of heavy question. They just say, look, we want to know where you're staying. We want to come and spend some time with you. We want to get to know you better. And Jesus, verse, verse 39, simply says that here it is the first time, come and see. Come and you will see. It's a great invitation. Come and spend some time with me and you will see who I really am. You'll see the meaning of life. If you just come and follow Jesus for a bit. And the first step towards faith is always this, following when Jesus calls you. It's rather lovely. These two disciples are not named right here. We soon find that one of them is Andrew, who will be one of the 12 disciples. The other is almost certainly John, the writer of this gospel. This is his eyewitness personal testimony. He often doesn't mention his own name. It's almost like he's saying, this is how I became a Christian. I was with John the Baptist, my master. He said, there's the Lamb of God, go and follow him, and I did. And when I said, can I get to know you, he said, come and see, and I did. And for me personally, that happened here at Hodgenity some 30 years ago, when someone said, come and see, to the youth group here. For someone here this morning, it could even be this morning, Jesus is saying to you, as you are just searching and asking and looking for something in life, come and see. Come and see. So that's the first thing about following Jesus. It all starts, doesn't it? It's just follow. If you hear him inviting you, just start following. Have faith. Go for it. And you will see, you'll understand as you go along. Now the second character here, and the second of these themes, is Andrew, one of these two. Andrew specifically. 
It says in verse 41 that the first thing Andrew did, once he'd spent a couple of hours with Jesus, was to find his brother Peter and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? He's got it already. Jesus is so extraordinary, it just takes a few minutes probably for Andrew to realize who this really is, that John the Baptist was right. So he goes to find his his brother, um, and he says, we found the Messiah. Now the word Messiah there in the the Aramaic, the Hebrew, in Greek is the word Christ, as your footnote I think tells you, and it simply means anointed one, someone anointed with oil, but specially anointed. This was in the Old Testament, almost always either a king, like King David or Solomon, or a very great prophet. So Andrew is saying to his brother Peter, I think we've found the one, the royal prophet that God promised he'd send to save his people. I don't know if all brothers would be quite so keen to go and tell their brother that they've just found some good news and they want to share it with them. Um, My brother and I spent most of our childhood fighting each other, actually. But Andrew's great here, isn't he? He he goes to Peter straight and says, look, you've got to know about this. I I can't not tell you. I've found the Messiah. Come and find him. Come and see. I've found the Christ. And that's the second thing, that, that once we've found Jesus, we grow as disciples by straight away finding someone else to tell and saying, come and find out. So we follow, and then we go and find someone else. And of course, that's, that's how I came to Christ. That's how everyone here that is a Christian, I'm sure, in some way, did the same. Someone found you. Someone invited you and told you. A growing disciple finds others having found Christ. Now, Peter is going to go on and become a huge leader in the first church. If you read the book of Acts, you find that. He becomes one of the leading apostles for the church. He writes two of the books of the New Testament. Huge figure. Um, Not without faults, but a huge disciple. A great leader. Um, Jesus here renames him. He says, no, you're Simon. I'm going to call you Cephas. It just means rock. He's basically saying, I'm going to call you Rocky. You're going to be the solid one at the center of my apostles group. He later says, connects his name with, with building the church on the truth of who he is through Peter's testimony. Andrew finds Peter, and look what God does with Peter. And you may not know the name Edward Kimball. Um, he was a Sunday school teacher in the States about 150 years ago. And uh, in his Sunday school group, he saw a, a young man called Dwight L. Moody, who, who just was not interested, no spiritual interest at all. And he was concerned. He prayed for him. And he went to visit him one day in the shoe store where he worked, in the stock room there. And he, he kind of pinned him against the wall virtually and said, look, you've got to take Jesus seriously and follow him. And right there, D.L. Moody came to faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, D.L. Moody went on and became a, a tremendous evangelist across two continents. Thousands heard about Jesus through him. Amongst those was someone called Wilbur Chapman, who also went on to be a great evangelist and and led missions and spoke publicly in thousands of different places. One of the people that heard him was a baseball player called Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, a very talented baseball player, also then joined his team and became an evangelist. And again, God used him to lead many people to Christ, to see and believe in him. Through Billy Sunday's talks, someone called Mordecai Hamm heard about Christ 
and received him as Lord and Saviour. He too began to set up a, a, a kind of a, a trailer in, in towns and cities and just preach about Christ on the street corners. And there was a group of, of young men that went along one day basically to interrupt him and disrupt his meeting. And with them went along a guy called Billy Frank, who uh, his family called him Billy Frank, who was just interested to see what, how this would go when they tried to disrupt Mordecai's Ham's meeting. And to his surprise, he found the teaching from Mordecai Ham compelling. He was intrigued. He went back again the next night and was converted to Christ. Billy Graham, as we know him, went on to become, probably in history, the person that has preached the good news of Jesus to more people than anyone else. All because a Sunday school teacher felt a spiritual concern for an uninterested young boy. Andrew found his brother, Peter, and said, come and, come and find Jesus. Come and see the Messiah. I wonder who we might lead to Christ today ourselves in that kind of way. We may not be famous, ever. That doesn't matter. But we can find other people and invite them to Jesus. So that's the first day of Jesus' ministry with these disciples. And we've seen, haven't we, it's as we follow him when he says, come and see. And it's as we find others and say, we've found the one. You should come and look. That we grow as Jesus' disciples. So what's day two? Well, as we saw, day two is verses 43 to 51. And here, the two lessons again are these. Tell and seek. So you want to grow as a follower of Jesus, or even become one, tell and seek. Jesus decides to leave the River Jordan, where he's been with John the Baptist, and return to Galilee, his home district. And there's a town there called Bethsaida. And there he finds Philip. Again, he's very intentionally finds Philip. He says, follow me. Philip goes. Philip then goes to find, again, there's that word, to find Someone else called Nathaniel, verse 45. And he says, look, Nathaniel, we've found the one that Moses wrote about. The one that the prophets of the Old Testament also wrote about. You know, it, it, it sounds like the two had been doing Bible studies together. You know, one-to-one Bible studies. They'd been through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. and They'd been through Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah. And they've been looking for the Messiah there, looking for what God said about the one that was to come. And Philip goes to Nathaniel, his Bible study partner, and he says, do you know what? I think we've found him. I think he's here. Philip's a great example, isn't he, of someone who simply wants to tell someone else what they've found about Jesus and how the Bible's coming alive to him. Interesting, he doesn't say much, does he? Four things. We've found the one Moses spoke about, the one that the prophet spoke about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. John Calvin, the great Bible teacher, said of this passage of Philip, he says four things about Jesus, two of which are actually false. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, I think, what he says, but in a way he's right. He wasn't really from Nazareth, Jesus. He was from Bethlehem, wasn't he? He only grew up later in Nazareth. And he wasn't the son of Joseph, was he? If you know the Christmas story, he was the son of God and, and through Mary, the son of Mary. 
But of course, historically, what Philip was doing is just the entirely accurate convention. What's someone's origin? Who is someone in, in that culture? What did you say when he said where they're from, their hometown, Nazareth, and who's their dad? Well, publicly, it was Joseph. Uh, Philip's very simple, isn't he? He doesn't try and make it too clever. He doesn't write a PhD thesis about the theology of Jesus' Christology. He just says four things. Moses talked about him. The prophets talked about him. He's from Nazareth. He's Joseph's son. Come and see him. Great example for us today, isn't it? We don't need to have a long speech. We just need to say, um, look, I'm a Christian. I happen to believe that Jesus is able to transform the lives of anyone that comes to him. He was a historical figure. You can find out more in this book. Would you like to borrow it? It's all you've got to say. And, of course, have a John's Gospel to hand to give them. We've got some of those on the table at the back there. Tell others. That's all it is. Don't tell them the whole story straight up front unless they want to hear it. Keep it short like Philip did. But tell others. That's how we grow as disciples. So Philip tells, and Nathaniel, therefore, is being invited to seek. Come and look. Come and find out. Now, he is a bit of a skeptic, isn't he? Like Nathaniel, he's a bit like I was. He starts very scornfully, verse 46. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? You know, Nazareth was, was, certainly was looked down upon in those days as a, as a place of, of ill repute, morally questionable, and therefore anyone from there was morally questionable, a bad person. You know, rather like, where would it be today? I don't know, be careful. <laughs> Great Yarmouth, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, apologies to someone there. But to his credit... He comes, doesn't he? Philip's very clever. He doesn't say, oh, oh I, I can explain all that about Nazareth. He just says, look, come and ask him. I don't know. Come and ask him. And he comes, doesn't he? Bless him. He follows. He's open to seeking. He accepts the invitation to question. Um, and then, of course, the fun really starts for Nathaniel. He gets there to Jesus, and Jesus, as he walks up, says, ah, here is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false, no deceit. Now, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, there was a character called Jacob. Um, in English, it's James, actually, in our own surname. His name, actually, Jacob, means deceitful, crook. Not a great name, is it, really? Uh, and Jacob was a crook by name and a crook by nature, but God transformed his character and changed his name to Israel. That's where Israel comes from. So Jesus is, is playing, isn't he, on the name here. He's saying, look, here is a true Israelite. You're not a Jacob, are you? You're an Israelite. You are a true seeker. You're after the truth, we might say. Jesus knows that Nathaniel is a Bible student. He's probably never met him before. But he knows all about him already, supernaturally. He knows probably he's been reading Genesis. Nathaniel's been studying Jacob with Philip. And he says, look, I know what you've been reading. It's all about that crook, isn't it? But you're a true seeker. So Nathaniel's replies, a bit surprised, isn't it? How do you know me, he says, verse 48. He's not agreeing that he's a true Israelite. He's just saying, how did you know that I was studying the Bible? How did you even know what passage I was reading? How did you know me, having never met me? Jesus replies, even more surprising, I saw you. There's that word see again. I saw you. I knew you. 
I've always known you. When you were under the fig tree, the fig tree was sort of a, a metaphorical way of saying someone that was studying the Bible, they sat under a fig tree to do it. So he says, I knew that you were a Bible student before Philip even called you. He's saying, I've never set eyes on you before, Nathaniel, but before Philip found you, I knew your heart. I know that you're a seeker of truth. Nathaniel's finding a very important truth about Jesus that, again, if you're a Christian, you'll know this to be true. Jesus knows people he's never seen physically, and he sees parts of us that others can't see. He knows people he's never seen. He sees things others can't see. And that makes Nathaniel respond with basically a huge declaration of faith. Verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You're my king. Now he's going to keep learning. He's on a discipleship path here. It's early days. He'll keep learning what it really means to call Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. He'll see that Jesus dies for our sins. He probably hasn't got that yet and rises again. But he's got the first bit, who Jesus is. He's the king God sent. Jesus promises to him, but also it's a plural, as you can see, to all of us who believe, you will see greater things than this. You'll see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending on He says, the son of man. He means himself. You'll see God in me. You'll see heaven through me. Again, in Genesis, as your footnotes, I think, again tell you here, Genesis 28, Jacob, back to Jacob, had a dream about a ladder, a stairway to heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending on this ladder. It was a kind of a vision, really, of God that Jacob had. And Jesus is saying, you know that story, Nathaniel, that you were reading about Jacob, about the dream, about seeing God? Well, he hadn't seen anything. You get to see something even greater. If you follow me and keep with me, you will see God in human form in me. I am the ladder. I am the bridge. I'm the revelation of God in human form. I am eternity meeting time, heaven and earth brought together. If you'll just keep looking. Come and see, and you'll see greater things. I guess Jesus is saying that through the life he lives and through the signs he performs, we'll see those next week, through the works that he, the words he speaks and the death he dies, the resurrection he then experiences, Jesus will show us all greater things than we've ever seen before. We'll see God. So if you have a friend who is a skeptic, a bit of an Nathaniel, someone that is often looking to kind of point out the deficiencies they see in Christianity, rather as Nathaniel started a bit scornful, um, if they doubt the evidence for Jesus, if they maybe think they're just not someone who will ever have faith, well, be encouraged this morning as you pray for that person that no one is beyond seeing who Christ is. If he opens their eyes, no one is too far away. Like Nathaniel, if they will just seek, they will find and follow. If they'll just seek.
So again, if, if you've got someone in mind as I'm talking about this, and you think, yeah, that, that's my brother, that's the, the guy at work, that's the neighbour, well, do have a gospel at home that you could just lend to them. And just say, look, you, know, you, you may not make sense of this, but I found this book absolutely life-changing. It's very simple. It's just a historical book about a, a figure, an extraordinary figure in history. Why don't you read it? And then, a couple of weeks' time, let's have a cup of tea together and talk about what you made of him. So, that's day two, isn't it? A disciple of Jesus is someone who is there to tell someone else, very simply, about this Jesus, and is someone who is seeking truth. Haven't got all the answers yet, but we're seeking truth in Christ. It is as we seek the truth in Jesus that we not only know him, but as Nathaniel finds, we found we're already known by him. Who knows everything? So as we finish this morning, we're thinking about this, this word discipleship, followership, you might call it, following Jesus more closely. And we found, haven't we, that um, it's, it's through following and finding, through telling and seeking, that we become more deep disciples. There's those four different people have shown us, um, Andrew and John, then Andrew, then Philip, then Nathaniel. The thing about this is, though, being a disciple, um, a strong, deep, close disciple of Jesus, a follower, a mature Christian, is not just for the saints, for you know, Augustine and Martin Luther and, and so on. It is for anyone who will just begin to do those things, start to follow, start to find someone, start to tell someone, seek. It's for anyone, whoever we are. It's for Fred next door, it's for Julie in the back row of church this morning, whoever you are. Whether you are um, completely irreligious or a lifelong churchgoer, whether you are near or far, young or old, men or women, it's whoever among us, and it's whoever we pray for who has faith, who sees, who believes, and then who follows and finds and tells and seeks the truth in Jesus. So let's pray together for that. So thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the truth. You are the way. You are the stairway to and from heaven. Thank you that you graciously invite us to come and see. You don't compel, but you draw and you open our eyes. We pray for those of us this morning that are still seeking, that you will help us to see who you are and to begin to follow and then to find someone else. Help us to, all of us this morning, to think of someone and pray for someone in the quiet now that we could tell about you this week. And thank you that it's as we seek that we find. as we seek truth in you, 
studying your scriptures, asking for your help, uh, may we see heaven open. And may we see in you the very face of God. In Jesus' name, amen.